We will look this morning at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. I had told you we would try to go through the book of Matthew from chapter 8 on through the end. We will try to do that, see the teaching in all of these good scriptures. Matthew 8, begin with verse 16 this morning. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. I want to make some remarks about those two verses before we dismiss them and go on to the teaching beginning in the next verse. And the question I'll ask is, do these verses teach that perfect physical healing is available to every believer if, by faith, he simply claims it? That's a teaching that uh, is prevalent today, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. I'll just make some comments about it. I say this, we cannot teach that all Christians should claim their healing immediately. That's what people say. We cannot teach that. Why not? Because in other scriptural accounts, Christ and the apostles did not teach that. Look at uh, Matthew 25, if you will. Matthew 25. Verse 37, 25, verse 37, and in this scripture, Christ himself states that he personally expected sickness and difficulty among believers. Matthew 25, 37, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when when saw we thee hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? And when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me and so the Lord Jesus Christ there says that we expect sickness and difficulty among believers it's just going to happen and then in 1st Timothy chapter 5 we see what Paul had to say about this and then we'll dismiss it 1st Timothy chapter 5 verse 23 
He said to Timothy, the young preacher, Paul, said, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Timothy had the infirmities quite often, and Paul said, Drink a little wine. It'll do you good. Well, why didn't Paul say, I'll come and heal you? Because... That's just not uh, true teaching. Second Timothy four twenty. Second Timothy four verse twenty. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. There's the apostle Paul again, and surely if anyone had the gifts of healing and so forth, the Apostle Paul did, but he said, I left Trophimus at Miletum sick. Many biblical persons who had great faith were sick, and in spite of their great faith, they were not healed. I just went through the Bible and picked out a few. Elisha had illness, Daniel, Lazarus, Dorcas, Paul, Timothy, man named, named Epaphroditus, and we just read about Trophimus. So these are just some that, that were sick and did not get healed. There is not one scripture verse that tells us that Christ's death provides physical healing merely on the basis of our claiming it. Christ does heal, but he heals when he chooses to heal. And certainly not every one of his children are healed. If he took all the sicknesses of all his people, then none of them would ever die. Do you know anyone who has not eventually died? Even all these healers, take their turn dying from some disease. And so I just wanted to say those things. That's, I hate to waste our time on that, but these scriptures fell in place here. I thought I'd make those comments on this subject of healing. Might be a help to you. I don't know. I don't think you fall into anything like this. Now we'll start uh, with verse uh, back in Matthew chapter 8. We'll start with verse 18. In the first part of these verses that we're going to read here, we see a striking example of our Lord's dealing with those who professed a willingness to be his disciples and follow him. And this deserves some attention. I don't think enough attention is given to it. And in the scripture that we have here, a certain scribe offers to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, whithersoever he goes. 
We'll read that in just a minute. This was a remarkable offer when we consider that this was a scribe. He was a religious big shot of a sort. And he said to the Lord Jesus in verse 19, A certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest whithersoever thou goest. Now, my subject this morning is following Christ, following Christ. And this man said, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And then the Lord gave him an answer in verse 20. Jesus saith unto him, here's what he said to him. The man said, Master, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Isn't that a strange answer? What did he mean by that? I I looked at that, and I said, Well, I believe we're missing something here. We'll go back and take another look at this. And then another follower comes forward here in verse 21. Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now that's another strange answer. What on earth is the Lord teaching here? This last desire was seemed uh, to be a natural desire, Lord, let me go and, and bury my father. But the Lord gave that strange answer in verse 22, you let the dead bury their dead, you come follow me. And so you think about that, what is the Lord teaching us here? There's something deeply impressive in both these sayings. Now remember the subject is following Christ. Following Christ. What what does our what's our Lord teaching here? He's simply teaching this that people who show a desire to come forward and profess themselves to be true disciples of Christ need to be warned plainly to count the cost before they begin. And that's what the Lord's teaching us here, count the cost. Are you prepared in your hardship? That's what the Lord said here. Are are you ready to carry the cross day by day? And if not, why, you're not yet fit to begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, plainly, there are times when a Christian must literally, literally give up all for Christ's sake. There are times for that. We never have seen that. And when even duties such as attending a parent's funeral must be left to be performed by other people. That's what he said here. So our Lord is saying here, count the cost. It does cost 
Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. You want to follow me? Are you willing to do what I do? I don't have any place <laughs> to call my own. I don't have a home. I don't have a bank account. I don't have anything. Are you, you want to follow me? And so that's what the Lord is teaching here about following him. You have to be willing to live as he lived. You may not ever have to live as he lived without a home, without any money, without anything materially speaking. You may not ever, ever have to do that, but you have to be willing to do that. That's what the Lord is teaching here. Now look at what he taught in Luke 14. He makes it a lot plainer in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. Then uh, the Lord said unto this man that he was talking to, he said, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. He invited many people to the supper. And he sent his servant at supper time to say that to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there's room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Well, what is the teaching here? Be careful, lest you're left out of the great supper in that day when the Lord's people will sit down with him at the great supper. In other words, you must be willing to forsake all. What do you mean you married a wife? You, you bought oxen without knowing anything about them? You bought land without first seeing the land? That seems rather foolish. 
But these are excuses that are made. You must be willing to forsake all land and wife and so forth and so on. Luke 14, 25. Look on down at verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, Here's the Lord Jesus. Multitudes are paddling along after him and he turned around and looked at them and he said if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters yea and his own life also he cannot be my disciple and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. I don't know whether I know what a Christian is or not. I'm trying to find out. Well, that's what he's talking about, what a Christian is a person who knows the Lord. It would be well for the church if these sayings of our Lord were more remembered than they're remembered now. We ought to look at these things sometime. Most preachers never warn anyone who comes to count the cost. I never have in my life heard a preacher say, well, now, wait a minute. You want to be part of this work? Let's sit down here and count the cost first, what it's going to cost you to do that. I never have heard that. I've never done it. I've never heard a preacher do that. Most churches are made up of people who are willing to make a little profession and talk of that experience they had back yonder. And there may be a great quantity of mere outward religion while there's very little real grace. And that's what I worry about for myself. I don't want to have mere outward religion and not have real grace. Do you, want, you don't want to do that, do you? I know you don't. I don't. So this is for me, you see. I'm, I, I thought about these things as we studied through the Gospel of Matthew, and there these things presented themselves to me as next in line, and we have to take a look and see what it says. So we ought not keep back anything from people who come to enlist. We need to tell folks that there's a crown of glory at the end, but let's also say there is a daily cross with rough times in between. You know what a Christian is? It's rough times. (laughs) I don't know whether I know or not. I read about this place in California called Pebble Beach. You probably heard of it. They they have cliffs there and the waves dash in there and they're 
They're little pebbles that wash in there, and they're washed up against the bank by those waves, and they're formed little, little round pebbles, beautiful. But also there at Pebble Beach, there is a huge cliff where the waves don't come in and beat on those little pebbles. And there are a lot of pebbles that just lie there, but they're never worked over by the waves, and they don't ever get that shine and that form that those others get. And I thought about that. That's a good illustration. There has to be some rough work done on us before we're going to shine and serve the Lord like we ought to. I know that's true of me, and I'm coming down to the end of this thing, and I don't want to be caught short, do you? I don't want to. Now in Matthew 8, again, verse 24, eight twenty-four. We have this account. There, behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But lo and behold, the Lord was asleep. The ship is about to go down, and he's asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What matter of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now we learn this lesson here. True saving faith is often mingled with a lot of weakness and infirmity. We're told here about our Lord and his disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat and a storm comes up and the boat's in, in danger of sinking. Well, where is the Lord? He's in the boat. But he's sleeping calmly right in the midst of all of that howling wind and those huge waves and his disciples are we might say scared to death. And so they say, go and awaken the master. And they rush to awaken him. In verse 25, they awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Now this is the way this is a picture of the way men are and they're rushing around and worrying and also it's a picture of the calm and pure heart of our blessed Savior. And they rush into his presence and they say, save us. Now that's good language. That's language of faith. Save us. 
But then they didn't stop there. They said, we perish. They went from good language to bad language. That's a language of fear. We perish. How in the world will they perish without him perishing? He's on the same ship. And I noticed that he spoke to them. Did you notice this? He spoke to them before he calmed the water. They awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And there he is. He's reclining, but they have awakened him. And he looks at them and he said to them, Well, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And then he got up. He arose. He was reclining there asleep, and when they woke him, he said, What on earth is all this hubbub about here? Why are you like you are? And then he arose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. There's a good lesson for us. How many have faith and love enough to forsake all for Christ's sake and to follow him whithersoever he goes and yet are full of fears when an hour of trial comes? I think I'm like that. That's the way these disciples were. How many have faith enough to turn to the Lord Jesus in every trouble, crying, Lord, save us, and yet not grace enough to lie still and believe in the darkest hour that all will be well? Do we believe that? All's going to be well. The Lord's in the ship. Lord, we're going to perish. Isn't that the way we are about most of the time? I look, I'm just going to die. This is going to kill me, looks like. I'll perish, sure as the world. Can you sleep in the storm if Christ is in the boat? My, what a, what a subject. Sleeping in the storm while Christ is in the boat. Can you do that or are you... Are you, oh, I'm going to die, I'm, I'm, I'm perishing. No, no, the Lord's in the boat. So our prayer should be, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. My prayer this morning, dear friends, is increase my faith where I can truly believe that the Lord will take care of everything. Perhaps we don't know the weakness of our faith until we're placed in the furnace of trial and anxiety. Blessed and happy is that person who finds by experience, by experience that his faith can stand the fire.
and that he can say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's the place I want to come to. I want to just say, Lord, save us, and I don't want to add we perish. Just, Lord, save us. We trust you to save us. And we have great reason to thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ is our great high priest and that he is very compassionate and tender-hearted. He knows our frame. He knows we're dust. And he considers our infirmities. And he does not cast us off because of all the defects we have in our faith. And he hears and answers even the prayer of little faith. Thank God he does. Well, he said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Do you want to be a part of that? You really want to get in on that? He said, you come follow me, and you let the dead bury their dead. You just come follow me. That's pretty hard, isn't it? Do you know what he said? Well, he said, whosoever he be of you who forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's what he's talking about here. We saw that in Luke 14. He cannot be my disciple if he doesn't forsake everything he has. I don't know much about that, but I sure would like to learn, wouldn't you? May God teach us. All right, let's bow in prayer. Blessed Lord, we see these things, and yet somehow we don't grasp the meaning. I pray you'll help all of us who are here this morning to grasp the meaning of what you said. And Lord, be willing, whatever it takes, be willing to serve thee, no matter to what extent it takes us in this life. Help us, Lord. Help me especially. You put me here as the pastor of this little group of people. And, Lord, I need your help because I don't know what to say. And I know that the dear people don't know what to say or what to hear except the Lord Jesus is our blessed Savior. Bless everyone in this congregation, and Lord, add some more to us that are willing, willing to forsake all they have for your sake. And above all, help us to do that. 
Help us to be willing, Lord, to give everything up for thy glory. And I pray especially for myself in this. In Christ's holy and blessed name we do pray. Amen.